for this special bless you I'll invite you to the word of God in Deuteronomy 12 11 felt myself like I was taking a little bit longer and longer in the services and I made an effort not to over prepare this time and hopefully it's not going to be also too short <laughs> Just a thought that I wanted to express a little bit. And, um, Deuteronomy 12, 11. Myself, I'm not there yet, but uh, I'll be there. The Bible says, Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall he bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, and your heave offerings of your hand and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. May God bless you. Have a seat. Bless his word. So God is saying he will choose a place to cause his name to dwell there. And we know that place is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the name of a denomination. It's not the name of a, of a certain congregation. It's not even the name of a certain group or a certain camp. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we want to meet the worshiper. Amen. Want to meet there? The holy place is in Jesus Christ. Second King says, and he built Second Kings 21st 4. I'll put my emphasis on the second part of this. It says, he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And in Hebrews 12 24 says, and you are come unto Mount Zion, Zion represents the bride, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirit of just man made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Amen. I would like to share with you thoughts that Jerusalem must be rebuilt. Jerusalem must be rebuilt. Thoughts and not necessarily uh, put a little bit of parallel and as a message believer, we love, uh, we love Israel. We, we love Israel a lot and, uh, and uh, we cherish it and we follow it and my wife has already mentioned her but She's a, she's a faithful follower of a certain brother and a certain Christian, and she, she, she follows him faithfully because she loves Israel so much, and, and uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, but uh, it's part of the believers. We love them so much. The Jews think that the place where God had to put his name was the natural Jerusalem. They still have that desire in their heart. They still have the cry in their heart. They're still connected to the natural land, and it's their place. A real, a real Jew can never be blessed outside of Israel. We see the prophet, he must be connected to the land. He knows, the land. He knows that that's where he comes from, 
And indeed, they cannot be blessed outside of that land. They can be blessed on the other things. We see them in New York and other places. But the real one, really, is the one who is in the land. There is a pool in the land. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how, uh, how it might be hard, no matter how they are terrorists, no matter how the different things, a real Jew is connected to his land. I must go to Israel. The safest place where I can be it is in Israel. But you don't hear what's happening there. You don't hear these things. It doesn't matter. That's my place. I have to go back in Israel. That's the connection with, with Jerusalem. David expressed it so well in Psalm. He says, in Psalm 130, I think David said it. If I'm not, forgive me. I didn't double check that. But if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. So there is, a, there is a cry, there is a longing for Jerusalem. Jerusalem has to be restored. For the Jews, Jerusalem is not a temporary capital. I think they call it the, 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 the eternal capital. It's the eternal capital of Israel. It's not something they can bargain about. It's not something they can compromise about. It's not something that, that, that sometimes in natural realm we look at it and we see how they're taking and bulldozer. They're using the bulldozer to remove the people. And the natural thing, you can look at it if you don't have a spiritual eye, you might have you might a little bit of thing like you might criticize, but don't, don't even try to go in that area because it's their land. It's their land and they have to make sure that that land belongs to them completely. It's not something you can bargain about it. It is their land. It is their place. It belongs to them. It's not something they cannot share. It belongs to them completely. And now I see, see that, and I was just checking that Jerusalem, how that place has been so, so so, so, so desired by many places, by many nations. By, it has been a place of conflict, continual conflict. It's just a small piece of land, and Jerusalem itself is just a small piece of land. But why are so many fighting about the Jerusalem? Why are so many things happening just about Jerusalem? But there are, no, are there other places where people can stay. Why did all the focus is about that? Because that initially in the natural, God says, I'll put my name there. I'll put my place there in the natural that is putting that's where I want to put. If I put an interest there and the devil is trying to put anything around it to try to occupy it. If you see the Muslim, the way they are doing, the way, that, the, the way of fighting against the Jews or any place in their, sorry, in their conquest, it's wherever there is a synagogue, wherever there is a temple, they want to replace it with the, 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 the mosque, or mosque. They want to replace that. Why? It's what the devil wants to do. Everything that has been given to God, he wants to come and replace it with his own thing. And the same thing in our life. And the same thing where God really wants to put his name. I would say it's the Jesus Christ, not from the history only, but he wants Jesus Christ's name to be in our heart. He wants that place to be our dwelling. He wants our heart to be his dwelling place. So what the enemy will try in all the, the in all, in all his tricks is to try to replace anything, any room that you give to God, he wants that room to be replaced by his own thing. So what you have to be is continually fighting in order to keep the room that you have given to God to remain to God. Amen? I quickly check what Jerusalem has been fighting. And history says this is a timeline of major events in the history of Jerusalem. A city had been fought over 16 times in its history, during its long history, Jerusalem has been destroyed twice, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. Just for one single small city. <laughs> captured and recaptured 44 times. But we know that for the Jews, there is a promise there. They know that the third temple has to be rebuilt. Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. It must be rebuilt. It must be rebuilt because it's a land of resurrection. As we know, the prophet told us, he says, Abraham or Job was first was buried in that land because it's a land of resurrection. The prophet was saying in the end sign, he says, Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and at the last days he will stand on the earth. Though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. 
says, watch, when he died, here letters, he made a specification of where to bury him. Along came Father Abraham, and when Sarah died, he went close to the same land that Job was buried in. He bought a piece of ground. He wouldn't let them give them to him. He bought that ground with a burying place for a burying place, and he buried Sarah near Job. And when Abraham died, he slept in the same grave with Sarah. And Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac died and slept with Abraham. Isaac begot Jacob, and go on. Even Jacob, when he go, and Isaac was buried at the same place, and Jacob also he even told, told Joseph, make sure if I die that you bring me back in that land because it's a land of resurrection. You have to, be, to bring me back into that land. You, can, I can, you have to promise me, put your hand on my tie. Make sure that I'm being brought in that land. I cannot, you cannot bury me in this land. This land is not a place of resurrection. And Joseph, when he died, he told us, Israel, says, he said to Israel, if I die, even I die here, but when God will visit you, make sure that you bring my bones and bury it in that land. You cannot bury me in Egypt here, you have to bury me in that land. Where that land is a symbol to represent Christ. Where the believer he is, he has to be buried in Christ. Your place of resurrection is not any other place but in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And every true Jew knows that Abraham, as he met the king of Salem, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, who, to whom he brought wine, bread and wine, he knows that as he's met him, he knows that as Abraham was looking for that city, and Abraham, it was given to him as inheritance, it is their place that they have to occupy, the place they have to stay. The same thing is that expressed in my, uh, earlier. Satan wants to occupy our heart. He'll bring you to the battlefield of the mind, but the ultimate goal, he wants to occupy the heart. It is about time to tell him this is the eternal place of God. Amen. You cannot negotiate with the enemy when it comes to the place of the heart. As we heard about Jerusalem the first time that it was destroyed and the people were deported, and we see they were deported, they were put, taken into captivity, and we see Jeremiah is giving them a promise into the, into the people and telling them in Jeremiah 27, he says, they shall be carried to Babylon, 27, 22, he says, they shall be carried to Babylon and there shall be until the day that I visit them, save the Lord. Then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. Even though you have to understand in this context as Jeremiah is talking to them, Jeremiah, as I expressed last time, Jeremiah has been, has been like a prophet of doom. He has been expressing so many negative things, so many negative things about Israel. But because of the situation they were in, because of the sin, the sin separated them from God. And he has been warning them constantly, warning them constantly. But here he's giving them a promise of, of restoration. In the midst of all that, he's giving them a promise of reconciliation, of restoration. God will not forsake you forever. He's going to visit you. And when God is going to visit you, he's going to take you out of that land. You might not understand how hard it might be, but when God visits you, that's what makes a difference. And as I will say, when God visits his people, it makes a difference. When God visits his people, no matter how the condition or how they see are, when God visits his people, he's going to take them out of that condition. He's going to make them victorious in that time. We see in the time of Pharaoh, in the time of in the first Exodus, we couldn't understand how God could take the people out of Pharaoh in that situation. The Israel couldn't understand how he could deliver them. But it was when the time of visitation came and God says, I come now to deliver my people, nothing could stop the deliverance of God. Let that be an emphasis for you and also a, a, ro a rock where you can stand on the knowing that when God visits me, nothing can stand on my way. So he gave the promise to Jeremiah. He's telling me even Jeremiah, buy a land. You can buy a land, Jeremiah 32. says, that save the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Take these evidences this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed and this evidence which is open and put them in an earthen vessel that they may continue many days. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Again in this land, I know that Jerusalem, yes, it will be destroyed, but it will be rebuilt. It must be rebuilt. Aren't you glad that you, now you have that consolation that nothing can destroy you? This flesh can, be, can, can decay, but nothing can destroy the evidence that God has put inside of the soul. That evidence that people can't see, but God has sealed it, and once he has sealed you, it is until the final destination. Nothing can rob you from your final destination. We see that Israel was finally deported and taken into captivity. The temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed. They left nothing. The Babylonian left nothing but the poor and the desolate. Nobody could resist them. It's only the people who could really not resist anything that one that were left. Or put that is a parallel of the church. Through the church ages, we see that the enemy has completely destroyed everything. It's, hardly dif- it's hard now to even to differentiate a, re- a Christian from, from, from the world. You see, I don't want to, like we heard this morning, it's not like to put them down, but it, it, sometimes it's hard. It's, it's hard to differentiate even, right, differentiate. You see some of the same songs and you see people who are singing. You see, is she really a Christian? Why, how is she even singing that, that way in that condition? It's hard to, what, what is that? It, it's what has been destroyed. There is no standard anymore. Everything has been completely destroyed. You can't see any difference anymore. In the, the prophet will say the palmer worms, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, all these things have completely destroyed. They have destroyed the churches. They have destroyed the standard. Four messengers of Roman devils, the dogmas, killed a tree. We're talking the restoration of the bright tree. It says, four messengers of Roman devils, dogmas, killed that tree. One took its fruit, one took its bark, and one took its leaves, and one took its bark, one took the life. Is that right? We see that they've taken the fruit of the Spirit, the joy, the love, the peace, the real fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now they put on different things, and, but the real fruit of the Holy Spirit comes from from the Holy Ghost. You see all the leaves, they, they have taken the leaves of fellowship. They are making camps, they are making spirit of denominations, we heard this morning. All those different things is, is causing separation and, and, and that's what the devil is there. The devil doesn't want people to be in one accord. The devil wants just to bring in a separation. That what is, is, is the master of division. Whatever the, the, the children of God are really fellowshipping, he wants to create division. With the, Christ and the mystery of God, the prophet says, be aware of those things, amen. And if you see that spirit of clan, you know, just rebuke it. Don't take part into that. Because it's the work of the enemy to try to put division. They took away the bark, the doctrine of sanctification. Worldliness is coming. And you see, the picture show and the television is back now into the houses. It's now back the houses of Christians. Entertainment has taken place again in the houses of believers. All that is the work of the Roman devils. I would say, spiritually speaking, Jerusalem is completely destroyed. We can't recognize the life of Jerusalem and all other cities. That what has been completely removed. And they have removed the love of the word of God. The passion for the word of God is not there anymore in the believers. It's not there anymore in the churches. It's not there anymore to those who call themselves Christians. Now they become lukewarm and formalism and scripting. That's what has become now of the spiritual Jerusalem. But there is a promise of God according to Malachi 4. I will restore once again. I will restore, save the Lord. The root is, is untouched. The whole thing has been touched, but the root is untouched. God has given the sealed evidence inside of the bride. I will visit you once again. Aren't you happy that God has visited us in this last age? Don't you know why I'm so happy? Because I've believed the message of Malachi 4. Amen. That's my joy. Amen. So we see in that time as, as Jerusalem was completely destroyed, and we see now there is some people who rose up. We see some people rose up and they have a burden in their heart. We have to go back. And I enjoyed the service of Brother Ed that took him about the time of restoration. They had that burden in their heart. We have to go back into Jerusalem. 
we have to go back into Jerusalem. Ezra the priest and Ezra the scribe had that burden in his heart. I have to go back into Jerusalem. The temple has to be rebuilt. It's not fair. It's not, you know, it cannot continue this way. Something has to change. Something has to happen. I cannot leave just the temple to be destroyed this way. And he had that burden in his heart. You see the same power and the same thing happens to all the people who had that burden. You see Ezra, you see Nehemiah, you see Malachi, you see Agai. All the people were at the time of restoration. They had that burden for the restoration of, of Jerusalem. It was that desire in the heart. Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. Jerusalem must be rebuilt. And I believe that the same thing for the believers now. As you live along, as you see along, and you see sometimes a lukewarm spirit comes in. But by God's grace, there is always that desire in your heart. Say, um, it must be rebuilt. I cannot stand at this level where I am in. I have to go higher. Something has to change. Something has to change. May God give us that desire of stirring your heart to rebuild Jerusalem in your heart. And we see Ezra in Ezra 1. I will go a little bit. Uh, those two books bear with me this evening, and won't be too much of preaching, and uh, but just a little bit uh, going through the lines here. Ezra one five. First Ezra, Ezra one two. I think brother Dan, I didn't give you that. Man says, "That saved Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven." Have given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So, when God is visiting, God can use anyone in order to fulfill his word. At this time, he's using a king. This is not King Solomon, this is not King David. This is the king of the Persia, but because it's a time where God is visiting his people, God put a desire into that king, and that king decides by himself, you know, I have to rebuild the temple for Israel. <laughs> oh, I, I love God. Amen. When God is working, you can't understand how the way that he's doing. But when God is visiting his people, God chooses who he can choose, but it's the time of visitation of God. God chose in that last age, he has chosen, chosen William Marion Branham, someone who's not very literate, someone who doesn't speak English properly. But God has chosen him in order to restore now the altar in our age, in order to restore the word in our age. And we can recognize it. That's why it's important to recognize your day and also the message of your day. We thank God that we have recognized our day, our visitation, and the message of our visitation, and we are going along with the message of the visitation. And then Ezra 5, he says, Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priest and the Levite, and with all them whose spirit of God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. Even for the bride, you cannot overcome in this last age unless you have the anointing of the eagle anointing for the last age. You cannot do the things on your own. It has to be the Holy Spirit raising you up. It has to be the Holy Spirit stirring your heart. It has to be the Holy Spirit doing the work. Amen. You cannot do things on your own way. It has to be the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by, by, by your strength, but not by power, but it has to be by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Brother Daniel jumped to Nehemiah 2. Are you with me this evening? Nehemiah 2, 7 says, this is the burden of Nehemiah as he's praying. It says, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandment. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. It says, Says, uh, and the king, as after he has confessed, then he says, eight, and says, then a letter unto Ezra, and a letter unto Hezaf, the keeper of the king's forest, 
that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and the horsemen with me. If you see, in the time of, rest, of reformation, now, time of reformation, you can see that Luther, that burden that he had for the, for the time, the time of reformation, he was not the initial one who had maybe that burden, I would say. We see John Wycliffe realized that already earlier that the spirit of the Catholicism is not, is not correct. The way that you cannot give the Bible to the people for them to learn from the Bible and to read from the Bible, that's not correct. And, and, and he fought that with all his strength. And he fought with all his strength. He even, even translated the Bible to the Bible. There's a version of, of the John Wycliffe. It, it has that burden. And we see John Haas also had that burden in his heart to stay so faithfully to the word of God. But it was all in the time of Luther that really that God, God intervened and put it in a national level, in a higher level, because he took one king who had to come and stood beside Luther and said, now I'm going to defend Luther. Because it was the time of the visitation that God decided, this is the time of visitation, and I decide now for the time of the reformation to start, and I make it a reality now that now a king has to come and had to intervene in order to make that they cannot kill, they cannot kill Luther. The same way that we see here, when God has given you a commission, God is to make sure that he's going to defend you. When God has revealed something to you, God is going to make sure that he's going to put all the angels around you because of the burden that he has given you to your heart. You don't have to figure out how things will work and calculate things here. Calculate here. As long as you have the burden in your heart, God will take care of the rest. So Nehemiah 3 here, it says, 3 here, 23, it says, after him repaired Benjamin of Ashob over against their house, and after him repaired Azariah, the son of Maseah, the son of Ananiah, by his house. After him repaired Ben-Hur, the son of Enadab, another piece, and from the house of Azariah unto the turning of the wall, and even unto the corner. Palai the son, it goes on, and you see that there is a repetition of that. What is going here? What is going here is God confirming that it has to be after him someone repair the wall, after him someone repair the wall. If Jerusalem has to be rebuilt, it's not the work of one man. If Jerusalem has to be rebuilt, let me say another time here. If Jerusalem has to be rebuilt, it's not the work of one individual. It's the work of the Holy Ghost in many individuals. It's the work of the Holy Ghost using different people in order to make the work of God move forward. You are not the very and the only special person. God is using all the body in order to rebuild Jerusalem. Jerusalem, and you see, Brother Banam is not here, but the work of God continues to go on. You see, all the people, many of the people where they run, Brother Banam, are not here, but the work of God continues on. What is that? The same angel who was with William, Brother Banam, is the same angel working through the bride even now. Why? Because Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. Amen. First of all, you cannot have a revival without really a burden. The prophet says that in the, a blushing prophet says, what we need today is some prophet with enough God in the heart to blush in the presence of God for the sins of the people who call themselves the people of God and doing the way they are doing. What a disgrace we've brought us to this place, the morals of our people this is not an easy subject to speak on. I could think of many things that were easier to speak on. But brother, if somebody don't stand out in this sinful, adulterous day that we live in and call the colors, what's going to happen? Somebody has got to speak the thing. He says, somebody has to go to place it before the people 
Perhaps Ezra didn't want to do it, but it was in his heart. But when you see a servant of God get so sincere till he is on his face with the hands in the air, a praying to God and blushing because of the iniquity of the people, then you are going to see a revival start. A man cannot lay in the presence of God. A church cannot stay in the presence of God under repentance unless the Holy Spirit comes down and gives unction and power to start a move of God in there among those people. Just got to be, the prophet says. Show me a man, show me another Calvin, Knox, Finney, Sanke, on any of those who feels the burden of the people till they lay on their face and cry and pray before God. Send us a John Smith of the Baptist Church again who prayed all night for the iniquity of the people until his eyes would be swelled shut the next morning from weeping till his wife could lead him to the table and feed him with breakfast and of a spoon. Show me a John Wesley again, the prophet speaking still. A firebrand snatched from the fire. I'll show you a revival. What they are doing today, they are patting it on the back. We are calling it this and that and a revival when there is no revival to it. That is, there is a stirring of emotion of religion among the people, but no revival. And we know that there cannot be any, the denomination cannot have any revival. The real revival comes from the word of God. The revival is taking all the trash out and, and making a heart so clean and sincere before God. That's the revival we desire. God, may you take all the trash away and let my heart continually be in favor for you. Oh God, I want more of you constantly. Amen. The blushing prophet says, it's all the lack of prayer. The church that used to didn't believe in picture shows. They wouldn't let the children go to picture show. They would shun picture show. And today, why? They even they have the picture show in their own house. Every house has a television. Continues on. Amen. Maybe we don't have a television, but the device has taken the place of television. And it's distracting. It becomes the first thing you open in the morning instead of opening, opening the Word of God. You know, there is, a, there, is a, there is a treasure, there is a secret about the first thing that you open. Let it be the thought of God that has an impact on the whole you know, day. Just make that an experience. Read something and say, oh, let this thought remain in me for the whole day. You'll see a difference in your life. But when you go, the first thing you open, you see, oh, this, or oh, this, this, then it blurs your vision for the day. But now let me just encourage you, let Jerusalem be rebuilt in your house. Let Jerusalem be rebuilt in your, your life. Amen. God, I want Jerusalem in my heart. The real Jerusalem where you put really your name inside of my heart. And that's what Nehemiah and others had. And we see certainly they had opposition. Opposition came up in Nehemiah 4. You see, in Nehemiah 4 2 it says he spoke before his brethren these those were people opposed the construction of the walls in Jerusalem. So he spoke before the brethren, the army of Samaria, and they said, What do these feeble Jews? What do these feeble Jews? Amen. It's not that sometimes you feel like, what is really my prayer going to make any difference? How many people sometimes you feel so discouraged? You have walked with God, you have seen God working so much in your life, but something happens, you just feel so discouraged, you feel like giving up. <laughs> it happens to me, it does happen to you, but to me it happens, oh Lord, what's going on now? But I know something is inside of me, I cannot give up. The way, where could I go, there's no place I can be happier than in your presence. God, give me more courage to move on. That's what we need constantly. There is going to be opposition, constantly opposition. But what did Nehemiah do? You know, Nehemiah didn't complain. Nehemiah, the Bible says, Nehemiah went into prayer. When you feel discouraged, God has given you a resource. Go into prayer. You don't feel like praying, but I'll still pray. You don't feel like singing, but I'll still sing. I don't feel like reading the Bible. Just do the opposite. Read the Bible. God is going to change the atmosphere. Why? God himself is determined for you to bring you into a full relationship with him. So the more you give him something, the more he's going to take you and use it beyond what you think that you'll do. 
Nehemiah just started with a burden in his heart. Ezra, the burden in his heart. And God used that burden and turned into something glorious. How much is it for the bride when she has a burden? God, I just want more of you. Oh, praise be to God. And he says, Nine, four, nine. Nevertheless, we have made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So they turn it heat to prayer for defense. And prayer is still the most powerful weapon that can be given to the weakest, the weakest believers. When the weakest of the Christians kneel down, God, hell, hell is trembling and God is moving. And we said again in verse 13, Say, therefore, set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked on and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. That's what I'm telling to you, the family, the head of family, be not afraid of them. Just resort to prayer and the word of God. God is going to restore Jerusalem in the heart of the people. It says, remember the Lord which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. But I feel I've been prayed for long years. I've been, I don't see any difference in my life. I don't see any difference from my daughter. I don't see any difference from my son. I don't see any difference in my house. God telling you, continue praying. Don't be scared. Continue praying. God is working. God is restoring. God is rebuilding. Amen. Because God is decided, is determined to rebuild. Amen. For the everyone, 18, for the builders, everyone had his sword girded by the side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. So what do you do? You do your work, but you have the sword of the word by your side. Never let the sword of the word by your side. And Nehemiah 5, I want to read Nehemiah 5, 11, it says, Restore, I pray you to them, even today, their land, the vineyard, the olive yard, and the houses, and also the hundredth part of the money, and of the corn, of the wine, the oil, and he exact of them. What is he referring here? He says, in order for God to really rebuild Jerusalem, you have to restore things that don't belong to you. In other words, you have to repent. You have to restore things. Put all the things that you don't need. Take them. Restore them take it give it back to whatever it needs give it back just make sure that you are in tune with God oh man do you love the Lord just go through the Bible here get to the and Nehemiah 6 says and Nehemiah 6 3 says and I sent messenger unto them saying I'm doing a great work so that I cannot calm down why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? So this is Tobiah and Sanabalt. They're trying to trick him in order for him to come to the place and to leave what he's doing. Come to the place where we are. And Jeremiah is responding to them, I cannot come. I'm doing already a great work. Why should I come to the place where you are inviting me? And verse 4 says, Yet they sent unto me four times after the sword, and I answered after them the same manner. You know the devil is a, is, is a master of trying many times. He's the one keeping trying all the time, bombarding you all the time, bombarding all the time. You don't have to find new tricks to fight him. Just use the trick of the word of God. Resist him with the word of God. The same thing repeat to him. It is written. It is written. It is written. Oh, but you see, it comes in my mind. He's telling me that I'm not healed. But it is written that by his stripes I'm healed. But I didn't come to my mind and say my family is not safe. But it is written in the word of God. If I believe and apply the same faith upon my family, they are going to be saved. I don't know how to justify. Repeat the same word over and over. The enemy attacks you, attack him with the word of God. Boo devil, boo devil. It is written. Amen. Amen. And it says, Then Sanbal is servant unto me like man of the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. And then he continues going. And then verse 8 says, And I sent unto him, saying, 
These are no such things done as thou save, for thy fairness them out of thine own heart. That's what the devil here. He will take something and extrapolate the things over beyond. Amen? That's what the symptoms sometimes are. Oh, it's a small thing, but you'll make them appear so big. And you're, oh, it might be symptom of the flesh, might be symptom on, 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 but, oh, you know, you keep, you, he keep having this, you know, to, uh, no, devil, I'm not the one to give you. You have no part in me. I'm God's and I is mine. Amen. It says, and they all made up, for they all made us afraid, saying, their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. Now, therefore, God strengthen my hand. The, the, the trick of the devil, the worst curse he can put on a believer is the curse of fear. You put every fear, trying to extrapolate things and put fear and try in order to weaken your work, in order to weaken your hands. But you have to stay on the word of God constantly. Amen. That's where your strength is. Praise be to God. 16 says, And I reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words, and Tobias sent letter to put me again in fear. Glory to God. Nehemiah 8. Are you with me this evening? Amen. And all the people, Nehemiah 8, 5, 6 says, And Ezra opened, or maybe go that in the, from the beginning, says, And all the people gathered themselves together, and was one man unto the street that was before the water gate. And they spoke unto Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the law had commanded to Israel. says, and then five says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for, there, for the, he was above all the people. And when he opened it, and all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. Amen to the word of God. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Amen. And Joshua and Bani and the Gilgon caused the people to understand the law, and the people understood it in their heart. What do you see? What do you see when the thing at that time already, the wall is completely finished? But Jerusalem, the wall is completely finished. Nehemiah, the wall is completely finished. So your work is done. He says, no, my work is not done. It's not only the building that you see on the walls here that I'm interested in. The message didn't come only to build churches and build, and that's, what, that's not the purpose of the message, although it's important. We need to be comfortable and things, and even in our chairs, we are still comfortable, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is beyond that. It's not only the walls that you have erected. It's not the wall that you have raised. Now I want the people for the word of God to be open and the people to understand the word of God so that he can bring the real worship of God. The purpose for Jerusalem to be rebuilt is, is go beyond the physical thing. It goes beyond what we can see. It is about the hearts to be restored in a full fellowship with God, as we heard this morning. Nine twelve, And Nehemiah, which is the Tishata, and Ezra, the priest of the, the scribe and the Levite that told the people, said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. I think that this is so, so similar to Revelation 5. John, weep not. This is no time of weeping, this is time of restoration. Then he said unto them, Go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not the day, only this specific day, but this day of the visitation of God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The message believer really should be the happiest person on earth. No matter the circumstances, why? Because you have now the book that you can read, that you couldn't read when you were in captivity, but now the seals are open. You can read and see what God is talking about you in the book, and you can see yourself in the book. It is talking about me. In the book, it is written about me. I can read the word, and the word, I understand it, amen. We used to read the Bible 
Bible, but we couldn't understand. But we thank God for the message that they opened the Bible. Now we can rejoice in it. Amen. Do you know why I'm happy? Because I've received the message of Malachi 4. Amen. Nehemiah 9.3. You can go and read the whole, just so good. And it says, And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God. One fourth part of the day, another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. As you are reading the open book now, it's not only sometimes we make a mistake, we just read, 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 then it becomes book knowledge. But the Bible is saying here, when they read the book, one part they read the book, one time they just confess what the book says. God, you said in your book here, I'm here, I'm confessing what your book says. Father, you said your book here, I'm here worshiping you, Father, for what the book says. That's what the message here is the time that you are spending in the reading. Oh, God, may you give us strength to spend the same time in the prayer. Sometimes I spend sometimes too much time in reading. But God, but when you read and you apply it now in the prayer, it, become, it becomes soft and real for you. That's where the word of God comes. Oh, God, let me restore Jerusalem, not only in the walls, but Lord, in the worship, in the reading, in the worship, in my life with you, Father. Amen. Oh, Nehemiah 12, 43, just speaking a snippet here, as you're walking with me, promise I won't be long, but it says, now it came when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. That's where the word of God comes to do. As the, as, the, as the seal is open, as the word of God is open, now it's the word separating the mixed multitude. The same mixed multitude that came out in Exodus 12, 38, they came out with Moses, and they are the mixed multitude who created so many problems, so many problems. But sometimes it's not the mixed multitude only from the outside. There is a mixed multitude in our own life. So many things we have put in our own understanding, our own thought. But as you are reading the word of God, as Jerusalem is restored, not only in the walls, but now also in the worship, now also in the relationship with God, now also in the reading of the word of God, it's removing all the mixed multitude that came out. But I already left the denomination. Yes, you left the denomination, but now you need to take out all the mixed, mixed multitude that you still carried with you. Now God, wash me in the word of God. Wash me by the word of God. That's what God intended for real Jerusalem is to have that to have that nothing that nothing remains but the pure word of God. Amen. Nehemiah 13, 11. I'm at the end. Then contended I with the rulers and said, this is Nehemiah. Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. So why is the house of the God forsaken? Don't just think that, oh, but Jerusalem, the walls are raised. We finished the work and everything. That's what we wanted. God is not desiring to remain in walls. God wants to remain in the heart. God wants to dwell in the heart of the people. I want you to follow the word of God all, all the way. Why are you forsaken? Why have you forsaken the house of God? Why you just rebuild it, but the form, but your life is not matching with what the word of God says? Amen. Follow the whole word of God. Amen. As we heard this morning, it was so good. But I'm sorry that I was already in there. I'm repeating what we heard, but it was good. 23, and this is... A, in those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashod and Ammon and Moab, and Nehemiah is rebuking them. You know, you carried, you came back and you have rebuilt the house and everything, you have rebuilt Jerusalem, but you're still carrying the things from other people. You have to bring a complete separation from all the other things. If you go in Ezra 10, you see that Ezra is even more strict. And so you, you have been living with all those wives and all the kids for all these years. 
But now you have to bring, you have to separate from them. But, but I've been with them for all so many years and they're part of my life. And, you know, I can't just take them away. God says, put them away. You have to bring, don't take them, don't put your wife away. <laughs> I'm not saying that. So, Brother Banam has put the marriage divorce. I'm not talking about, I'm talking spiritually here. Jerusalem, Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. You have to put all the things away. From the things you see, oh, this is my nature. This is part of, my, of how I am. No, that's not part of who you are. If you really want real Jerusalem to be restored, you have to put all the trash away. You have to make sure that you bring back the way God intended from the very beginning. From the beginning, it was not so. So you, if you bring at the very beginning, if you say, oh, we are in the work of restoration, but what did Paul preach? You have to preach the same way as Paul preached. If you say, I'm restored, but what? What did Brother Bannon preach? How did Brother Bannon stay so close to the Word of God? Is your life aligning with the Word of God? Oh God, take all the wives from all, all the things that are sticking to me from the past. Let me stay with the Word of God. Amen. Into the Bible, but as we see in the moving again in the natural Israel, Israel has its own flag for the first time. It shows that we are at the end. It's the oldest flag that ever flew on earth. At this time, flies again. If the six-point star of, of David, he said, he lift that ensign in the last days, when it should be coming back, we are the end. This is just no doubt about it. We are here. The prophet says, the ensign, the oldest flag in the world, flies over Jerusalem. As in the natural, they are coming back to Jerusalem. Now the spiritual, they have to come back to spiritual Jerusalem as a way. We see the condition, as we see here, the prophet says, we see in the blushing of the prophet, he says, do you realize, old man, that when we were boys, our boys has got ten times the temptation that we had? Sisters, do you realize that your daughter has ten times the temptation you had, you had when you was a girl? What will her daughter have? Look at the things, the pictures of the devil is painting. Oh, how we need to pray. Now we'll go back to you again. Brother, do you realize we don't pray half as much as our fathers did? Pastors, do you know that we don't put as much time on our knees as the pastors before us did? So it's not just good to say that we are restored, or we, we are back, or Jerusalem is put with the walls. But what is our life? Is it matching what our older pastors used to do? Amen? Woman, do you realize that you don't instruct your daughter and pray with her at night like your mother did you? Then what about it? What is guilty? We are guilty. There is no way around it. We are guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not doing the job of God like I should do. Not putting condemnation, just realize God. Maybe just need more time with you. Because you want the altar to be restored in our house, the family altar to be restored in our house, all the life and just spend time with family restoring our house. That's what God wants. Amen. It's not just the natural things, but you have built the house, you have made the principles, you come to church, but more than that, Lord, let the order of Jerusalem as it was before be restored in our house again. Prophet says, I'm guilty, I'm guilty of not doing the job of God as I should do. I'm confessing it that I'm wrong. I'm asking God to be merciful to me. I look out here and see the opportunity I've missed because of petty things, little, old, insignificant things that didn't mean nothing. If God, man of God, who could, who could confess this way, how many times we focus on the petty things that mean, they don't mean anything. Amen? We should put more emphasis on God. He says, I'm ashamed of myself as a gospel minister before you. I repent before God and ask God to forgive me and the church to forgive me for being so dilatory about the work of God. By the grace of God and by the help of God, I'll not listen. Everyone are trying to tell you something to do. They got a program. They got something for you to do. Nonsense. I know God's program. It's written here in the Bible. Amen. As in the natural Israel, we see that gathering from every corner of the earth, the message also gathering the spiritual Israel from all points of the earth to bring them together 
for the rapture. Amen. I will close this with a few thoughts here and I'm going to go through all the. Just to put there. Galatians 4 24 says, Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, this one from the Mount Sinai, which generates to bondage, which is Agar. And this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answered to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And that's where we are longing, that's where we are going. If I can have, sometimes we look in the natural I was explaining at the beginning, I'm just closing. I just want to put the whole thing together and I'll close. So at the beginning, you see uh, Israel, we see so many things happening. And we see sometimes how they fear Iran and every different things. And, and sometimes when I look at it, say, yeah, I pray for Israel constantly, constantly. But I'm not scared that they will be destroyed. Personally, I'm not scared that they will be destroyed. They will never be destroyed. Why? Because there is already a prophecy that God is going to bring them back and is bringing them back and no one can stand on the way. Israel can never, never be destroyed no matter how many threats they get and all different things. God will always stand for the natural Israel. And we see that in natural and I have so much faith for, for what God has promised regarding Israel that I know that they will, not, they will not be destroyed. And in the midst of that, Israel, God has selected 144,000. They are the elected. They will hear the message. They will hear the call. They will hear the word of God. And they will come back to the atonement. That prophecy has to be fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled. They are waiting for their restoration. And now we also need to have a lot of faith in the message of the hour. Because there is also a part for the bride that there will be a bride that will go into the rapture. No matter what the enemy is trying to put against the bride, the bride will go into the rapture. Nothing can stand between her and that. Amen. John 4, 19 says, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship this mountain, and you say that in and say and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain net nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. But and it says. And salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he's come, he will tell us all things. It means he will tell us where the real Jerusalem is. And says he has to worship him in the spirit and in truth. Oh, praise be to God. Do you love the Lord? Musicians can come. And... Revelation 3.12 says, Him that overcometh will I make a pillow in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and in the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and write upon him my new name. I like what the prophet says in here. He put in the comment here, and the prophet says, he says, he says don't give up. He says, there are kings with him, they are reigning with him. That is what the, the crown signifies, reigning and ruling with the great king himself. This is the, that is the promise to all those who suffer with him here on earth, all those who endured patiently, knowing that God, the just judge, will reward them. They who gave up all for him and committed all to him will sit down on his throne and share in his glorious kingdom. Oh, we have a word for us all of this time. It is all fast. Persevere. Amen. Don't give up. Put on the whole arm of God. Use every weapon he has given us. Use every gift at our disposal. And look ahead with joy because we are going to be crowned by him. 
who is king of kings and lord of lords, now he is not only giving, giving crowns, but he says that these in the bride will be pillars in the temple of God. What is the temple of God? Jesus spoke of his body as being in the temple. It was. It was the temple of God. But now we are his body. It, the true church is the temple of God by the Holy Ghost within us. Now he's going to make the overcomer a pillar in that temple. So what is a pillar? A pillar is actually a part of the foundation of for it. It holds up the superstructure. Amen. Praise God. That puts the overcomer right in with the apostles and the prophets. For it says in Ephesians 2, 19, it says, Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God, and build upon the foundation the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Amen. Let me just read it more here. It says, yeah, read it down here it says, In whom you are also being together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Yes, that verse 22 says that we are building together with him. When God puts a man in the temple as a pillar and makes him a, a part of that foundation group that he's going to do, is giving him the revelation of the word and of himself because that is exactly what the apostles and prophets had. What is God is doing is revealing himself to you that how he's making you a pillar in his temple. Amen. You want to reconstruct Jerusalem? God, let my heart be restored to you. Says, brother, sorry for me. The bride goes wherever the bridegroom is. She will never be left by him. She will never leave his side. She will share the throne with him. She will be crowned with his glory and honor. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. What is the name of God? Well, it was God with us, or Emmanuel, that was not his given name, that shall call his name Jesus. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. Therefore, the name of God is Jesus, for that is the name he came in, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, when he put the name, the same name of Jesus Christ, that the same name that he's giving you. You are now called Mrs. Jesus. Amen. You are the bride of Jesus Christ. Where is that Jerusalem? It is in my heart. Amen. I know it's coming, but it is already in my heart. That what the message comes to do, it comes, the capstone will come and will meet the bride that will come have the same nature of the capstone. Jerusalem is coming. My heart has to be filling Jerusalem. You don't go in Jerusalem if you don't have Jerusalem in your heart. Amen. Amen. He himself is saying, he takes her to himself. Revelation 21, 1, 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of hand, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Oh, there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. How wonderful, all of God's wonderful promises fulfilled. It will be all over. The change will have been completed. The lamb and his bride forever settled in all the perfection of God. Why? She received him in his heart. Now she is that new Jerusalem descending from above. Praise be to God. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Amen. We are marching to Zion.
Marching through